This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Here on Well, 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 you are Jack and Jacinta, and we're now joined by Dr. Brandy Cochran, uh, the uh, Senior Lecturer and Chair of Criminology at the College of Law and Justice at Victoria University, uh, and who's involved with uh, the Forcibly Displaced Peoples Network in uh, ways that we're going to find out over the course of the next 25 minutes or so. Um, Dr. Brandy Cochran, thank you so much for joining us, I guess, to begin with. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the work you do at Victoria University um, and, and some of the stuff that, or how you got involved with the Forcibly Displaced Peoples Network? Yeah, I'm happy to chat about both of those things. Um, so, um, as you mentioned, um, I'm in the department um, within the law school at VU. Um, and the majority of my work is around LGBTIQA plus issues more broadly. Um, I do work um, around borders and migration and LGBTIQA plus people, which is how I got involved with FDPN. And then my other work is around um, the focus of the far right um, on LGBTIQA plus population. So that's my main areas of research. Um, I first met um, the folks from um, FDPN, when I went to their first conference um, that was up in Canberra. Um, I was so excited to see a conference that was specifically about um, queer displaced people. Um, it's, you know, a very um, understudied area. Um, and I was quite excited to talk a bit about um, some of the administrative appeals tribunal um, rulings, specifically around trans people um, and the way that the judges um, spoke about them. Um, and the unfortunate way that their cases um, were being adjudicated um, in the tribunal. So went to their conference and yeah. Yeah. Went from there. Yeah. And and what kind of um what kind of stories or, or things did you see? Um, like you mentioned the way that the the judges talk about the people and the cases. What kind of things do you see? Yeah, um, you know, when I was doing work specifically around this, there was this um, a lot of misunderstandings, right, about trans people, about if trans people needed surgery, why haven't you had surgery? Um, but also just a huge difference in understanding people from, you know, uh, non-Western countries and their ideas about their own sexuality and their own gender and saying, well, we have our own words for this, but you don't understand them. Um, so how do I frame that? And that kind of led me down the line to do a project um, about how legal representatives actually help sort of shepherd um, um, applicants to knowable labels. Um, and that's really interesting as well, because you have to be able to, you have to get the judge to understand your story and care about you, right, as, a, as an asylum seeker. So um, great legal representatives do that well by helping you explain yourself in kind of a colonial western heteronormative sort of way um to be able to get your case through but you know we have um those groups called like say pain kids from malaysia and you know there's very specific things they're a tomboy they often dress masculine they often dress like women 
and so they also date women, but they don't have there's that doesn't they don't they're like, well, trans, I guess not. Like, what does that mean? Why do you want me to have this? So it was a lot of picking apart what these kind of labels were and why our current justice system or I should say administrative system um, doesn't understand them. You were speaking about how uh, I suppose the first time you had I say, I suppose, seen or, or uh, worked with the FDPN was around the, was it the 2023 Queer Displacement Conference? No, um, the original one um, was a few years back. Um, I want to say 20, I'm not going to remember the date off the top of my head, but that, that's tw- I was at the 2023 one. That's where we, we'll talk about this later, where we launched the report. But there was an initial one um, a few years back um, in Canberra um, that I was at. Cool. Um, I, I appreciate that... Um, you haven't, I suppose, been at FDPN for the entire time that um, it's existed. But I suppose for people who aren't fully across um, the work of FDPN, um, can you speak a little bit about what the network does? Um, and I suppose uh, from what you've heard from, say, Renee or some of the other folk involved, um, how it came to be. Yeah, I'm happy to chat about that. Um, so the originators um, of FDPN, I would say, are... Um, Tina and Renee Dixon, and they are a married couple from um, Ukraine, so um, who are refugees and now are both studying PhDs um, here in Australia. And I think this was their really their brainchild um, coming together, trying to get funding, saying, why can't we get services? Why are people saying there's no research out there about us? Why is nothing happening around it? So it became, you know, well, they're both our forces of nature. I hope at some point you'll be able to interview them as well. Um, but the idea is that we need to advocate um, for LGBTIQA plus refugees and asylum seekers. And um, I know that FDPN, that FDP has grown since then. They have a whole board and, you know, a lot going on and a lot of different people involved. But um, they stand as the first registered organization that's actually led by LGBTQA plus people who have experienced forced displacement. So you know, sometimes they'll engage people, like I'll work with them um, on research projects or, you know, volunteer my time, usually is what I do. Um, but otherwise, it's all run um, by folks with lived experience, which I think is incredibly important. Um, and why I think also the survey, which we'll talk about later, is, is really important as well. Yeah. And at that 2023 Queer Displacement Conference in Canberra and Sydney leading up to World Pride, what was what was the aim of being there and, you know, getting the message out? Was it um, about sharing the results or was it about also connecting with people and, and bringing more people into the network? Yeah, I think it's both those things. Um, I think it's when, you know, we had this, this great report and I'll just talk to it very briefly now, not the results, but just to say what it is. Um, what we did was do a countrywide survey um, of LGBTQA plus um, refugees and asylum seekers and, and asked them questions, learned about them, you know, tried to say, okay, well, what about access to health services? What about access to homelessness surveys or services? What about other kinds of things? What kind of distress um, are you under now? What are your biggest stresses? You know, things like that. Um, and that's the first survey of its kind. In Australia. So we just, there's been other great surveys that do work, but they don't ask about migration status. 
or they don't ask about you know things like sexuality, gender, things like this um, in a more complicated way than just thinking about it in a binary. So the purpose of the survey, you know, ends launching that survey um, is to say, well, you keep saying we don't have any data. Here's our data. We made it ourselves. Um, and so it's about reflecting the voices of the people who undertook the survey, but it's also about getting governments, um, NGOs, and other people on board with supporting these, these kinds of people, these people that might fall out of heteronormative um, notions of what we understand a refugee to be. So I think that that's our hope, is that we can, we can share that. You know, during the conference, you know, a number of the participants with the experience were like, well, we already know this. Why are we doing this survey? You know, and it's like, well, now we have to tell everyone else and we have to get them on board and we have to get them to make changes. There needs to be specific, you know, kind of delivery of um, services that, that are needed and are different than they are. So that's our hope. Um, and I think we did, um, it's definitely a much larger conference um, than the first one. And I think we had a lot of people who really got on board and we're happy to have like a piece of paper with all the numbers. Because, um, you know, there's nothing that governments love more than some, a bit of numbers. So, um, yeah. You said that it was really one of the first or the first, I suppose, um, pieces of research looking into the experience of queer displaced people specifically. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you are asking these people about their experiences? Uh, I suppose as far as qualitative versus quantitative um, data, how you even try and Fit, fit that into the con like the context of other experiences, which could be so vastly different, right, um, from each other. Um, what was what was some of the questions you were asking? Yeah, um, you know, we try to do a really good balance because, like we said, um, governments love numbers. Um, so, uh, but obviously, qualitative difference is, is essential, and, and individual voices are essential. So our work with the report is this hope that we capture both of those things and that we can say both of those things. Um, so we're able to use, you know, a number of different direct quotes from people, but also then get overall experience um, as well, which I think is a really, I think it's a really great report in that way is that it tries to do both. You know, we don't, I'm not statistician. I just happen to come from America. And so during my master's, I make you learn statistics. My thought, oh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm always going to do qualitative research. But in this particular field, um, and in a lot of fields um, like mine, there, in Australia, there's not a lot of numbers people. So it turns out even kind of my basic work around it is, is, is really exciting. It's, it's important, um, I guess I would say, around that. Again, for convincing other people, not for talking you know, to, to the average person or to um, people with lived experience themselves. Um, we asked them a lot of different questions. And we asked about, you know, kind of, the, the demographic basics, right? So, you know, name, age, um, things like that. We asked about visa status. Um, and I think that's a really important breakdown um, that we did because it's not just, are you on a temporary visa or are you on a permanent visa? We were able to ask like, what kind of temporary visa are you on? Are you actually on an international student visa? Because that's another thing that often goes untreated in this is a lot of people come on an international student visa, but then don't feel confident to go back home because of the, you know, the laws and oppression happening in their country. Um, so then try to say, 
right? And then we can say, were you a citizen? Were you previously on um, a migrant, uh, migrant visa? Or we also talked to some people who have no visas and were undocumented as well in our sample. So just actually capturing those people, especially undocumented people, I think is um, exceptionally important because they often get missed. Um, so asked about that, talked about, um, you know, kind of the other things, um, location in Australia, disability and chronic health conditions. We also included that in the survey because again, you don't often see the overlap of all of these things at once. You see these all being doing, done in these different surveys. So they don't, it doesn't come together. The whole picture doesn't come together. So that's something we really wanted to make sure happened with it. We asked a lot about um, health, um, mental health, physical health, access to doctors, um, access to mental health care. Um, talked a bit about violence um, in home countries, but also, um, you know, one, one of the big things that we found was also just the violence that occurred um, in Australia for the majority of our participants was um, very surprising as well. And I think really, um, really important for us to, to consider what's happening um, in that realm. Asked a bit about um, kind of major stressors, kind of things that are still bothering people. Talked about homelessness surveys and housing. So we could specifically ask like, you know, what kind of spaces are you living in? What, you know, how do you manage? And then things around employment and education, um, questions around sex work and things like that. So we were able to capture this much, you know, which I think is actually shows a, a, a correct, not a correct, but a really good picture of what's going on for the population rather than this kind of, as I said before, aggregated data that you have to then try to overlap and figure out here on well 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 you're with jack and jacinta and we're speaking with uh dr brandy cochran from uh victoria university and the forcibly displaced peoples network uh stick with us we've got more coming up in just a moment sexual health mental health and the overall well-being of our lgbtiq communities you're listening to well 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 you're still with Jack and Jacinta on Well, Well, Well uh, and Dr. Brandy Cochran from uh, Victoria University and the Forcibly Displaced Peoples Network. Uh, before the break, we were speaking a little bit about um, the research that the Forcibly Displaced Peoples Network did um, and, and presented some of those findings at the 2023 Queer Displacement Conference. A number of people at uh, the conference where this report was presented were like, we already know kind of we have a, a, an understanding to some extent of what these experiences are like, but what were some of the other, I suppose, responses to the report being presented? Yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement. I think um, both for people with lived experience, but also people who worked um, in different NGOs and things like that. There was, um, yeah, just a lot of excitement that we had this report and that they could um, show it to people and they could say, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to make change. Um, here's where we need to focus um, funding and things like that. So I think, yeah, was it was a lot of excitement and a lot of people coming up to me and being like, wait, um, can you help us do this about this particular population? Off the top of my head, just thinking about um, a group that works with young people in New Zealand, um, young queer refugees and asylum seekers. And they said, oh, we want to do this report. Like we want something like this in New Zealand. Like, can you help us? Yes, we will figure that out. The next steps. So I think there was also a lot of excitement from... Um, Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.